I, I am feeling a little consumed by the love of the Father this morning, and uh, I make no apology for that. And I want you, as I speak, to allow yourself to just be immersed even deeper in his love too. Is that okay? Um, if you want to sit back in your chair as I speak so that you rest a little more, then please feel very, very free. Um, seriously, I want to enjoy the next few minutes that we have together. Um, I'm so grateful for the way that the Holy Spirit just weaves his way through our mornings ahead of time. Um, Adrian just preached my preach for me. Um, uh, Leo preached my preach at the beginning. Sarah and the band have preached my preach all morning. Um, any contributions that have come have just done that. And I, it's just thrilling, isn't it? Um, I, uh, it the message this morning really is... I, is, is exactly what Adrian said. It's about trusting. And um, it's about knowing. It's about just knowing. Not If we don't have all the answers, we still know. We just know. And there is such a security that that position brings you that it changes everything, doesn't it? Because you realise that God knows. And he knows exactly what he's doing. And we don't need to know all the time. And we live in a world that is obsessed with needing to know. We need to know everything. Every minute of the day, we need to know. What's, what's happening with the weather? You know, we need to know. I, I need, why do you need to know? Just look out the window. That's what the weather's doing. So you know which shoes to wear. It's a good point. It's a good point. Um, do, you know, have you, do you ever get consumed with a task? Do you ever get consumed? We, we've been doing some, um, some decorating at home. Um, I say decorating, it's, it's really um, slightly more consuming than decorating. It, it's more building. Um, our house now has four bedrooms instead of three, so I guess that's quite severe decorating. Um, and uh, we, we, the, we've had plastering going on. And, and to get to the point of, we've got our carpets getting fitted like ne- uh, Friday. And so that's become the deadline that we have to meet. And so I'm, I've been um, getting all these jobs done over the last few months um, to, to rearrange our house. And, um, you know, we had a dream as a family that we would be able to move house and to have a bigger house, um, really, was, was what we wanted for us and what we were praying for. And uh, we loved the idea that our kids could have their own bedroom each and uh, we, all, all, all 19 of them, no, <laughs> I'm just thinking, if you don't know me, you, you've got no idea how many children I've got, so it could sound really indulgent, we have three children, and uh, we, we just felt that um, we, we, we knew God well enough to be able to ask him for a four-bedroom house, and uh, God has blessed us, we've been financially been in a position to be able to um, buy a new house last year, and, uh, but it started as a three-bedroom house, but it had the potential to make it bigger. And um, of course, God knows that I also love building stuff and, and designing things. So actually, it's worked out better for me to be given a house that I could do stuff with rather than the finished article. I think buying a, buying a show home would probably be quite dull for me. Um, and uh, anyway, but the thing is, if I'm not careful, I can get consumed with thinking that what I'm giving my attention to is building a house. And the point is, actually, we're building a family. We want a place for our family to thrive and to 
enjoy the fullness of life, to be able to expand into who they are as individuals. And I get my head down in the loft, you know, moving this and moving that and cutting and getting that awful old-fashioned glass fibre stuff that is in your loft, you know. What is that? And it gets in your skin, doesn't it, if you've done anything like this. And I can get entrenched in these jobs and and actually I, I can find what started out as something that was going to be really pleasurable has actually got some slightly difficult bits to it or bits that I've actually found harder than I thought they were going to be. Or I get my neighbour coming along suggesting in a really helpful way, hey, why don't you do this with your house? This would look even better if you did this because this is what my house looks like. And, and I can get swept along with actually then my, my vision or what I've originally intended to do can get knocked off course a bit. And, and suddenly I get to, right, okay, well, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. And, and actually I've come under pressure to, I've got to build a show home when actually what I want is a family home. You identify with this? We, we do this with all sorts of things. I was even thinking this morning in the shower about Christmas. I don't know why I was thinking about Christmas in, um, in October. Um, is it too early to talk about Christmas yet? Do you know, if we get Christmas right, Christmas is brilliant. Do you know why? Because it's all about Jesus. And it's all about us celebrating together Jesus. That should be a brilliant time of year, shouldn't it? And I, I know Christmas isn't in the Bible exactly, and you know it's been adopted from some other thing. But as far as I'm concerned, it's got his name on it, so he can have it, and we can enjoy it. Um, but if we're not careful, we we turn Christmas into something else, don't we? We get caught up with all of the stuff of it, and that's you know you've you've all heard Christmas preaches about you know putting the Christ back in Christmas and all those sorts of things. But it's absolutely true. We end up getting consumed with the peripheral things, which in and of themselves are really just window dressing and might make for the the kind of picture postcard Christmas setting. But it misses the point. The point is relationship with God. (laughs) The point is relationship with God and then with each other. And um, so I just wanted to get into this a little bit this morning, if that's all right. Last, um, uh, last week I mentioned um, Ephesians 4. We were, um, uh, I was introducing um, Jules's, uh involvement with us as an eldership team and uh, I referred to um, Ephesians 4 and some verses in there and uh, I said that I'd come back to them this week so I want to be able to do that because I want to apply what I've just said to us as a church because it's possible, and I think I've really found myself experiencing something of this over the last few years, of trying to work out how do we do everything? How do I get the jobs done? How do we, how do we make church work? You know, even physically, how do we make Sundays work? How could we get enough people serving here and there? How can we get enough, um, I don't know, worship going on? How do we, what about teaching topics? What about leaders? What about our community groups that we, we've, we've just adjusted? And we can go through all of these things of, of doing all of these different things. And we can even as well look at the church down the road and say, oh look, they're doing it like that. Or maybe, maybe we need to do that as well, because that's obviously what a, a successful model church looks like. And, and sometimes I can have other church leaders say to me, 
yeah, you need to do it this way. You, you need to make it, make it look like this because that's, that's, that, that's what we're doing and that looks, looks really good. And of course, it, it's all coming from a great place except I can slip into thinking that the object of us being together, our purpose in being together as a group of people is to build an organisation or a pretty... Um, the, the best kind of looking church, you know, seemingly from the external stuff, that th- this is what it's supposed to be about. And we can imagine, yeah, it's got to be in a building and it's got to have, you know, this course running and that course running and miracles happening and people being saved and all of this stuff. And then we can go, yeah, that's, that's what it's supposed to be. When all the time God wasn't ever asking us to do that. There's verses in Ephesians 4. Let's just read these, okay? Um, Ephesians 4 verses 11 to 13. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I want us just to notice some different things in this verse than what we typically notice. You see, sometimes we've used these verses and we read these verses to try and explain function. To try and find role or job description or that kind of thing. And I want to suggest that these verses, first and foremost, are relational it is about relationship. This whole deal is about relationship. Um, also, I think Paul is setting out what we can expect. What can we expect as believers? What can be expected for us in this journey that we are on with Jesus? And if you like, thirdly, there might be some stuff on function. <laughs> But if we go straight to looking at these verses as actually this is where we can work out our structures and our functions from, we totally miss the point. These verses for me speak of an increasing awareness of our union with Christ. First and foremost, let's just leave, leave the fivefold apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers bit for a minute and just look at that next bit. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. There is a realisation that Paul is explaining happens to us as a group of people. There is a, ah, and oh, and oh, this is going to carry on and carry on and carry on. And it builds and it builds and it builds. And the problem is we look at these verses and we make it some kind of step-by-step program because preachers like to have three points and make things fit neat and tidy. And we live in a world that, that sees progression in stepped ways when actually this is talking about us diving into the depths of who Jesus is. And as we do that, we increasingly grow, we increasingly find who he ever intended us to be as mature, um, as a mature body, as his body. And then the natural spill out of that is that this body then plays the part that the body was always designed to do, always designed to be. See, I was so excited when Mervyn read the verses this morning about the body, because this is what this speaks of. And this morning I want to... 
rediscover something, unlock something about what works of service are. Um, if we get to it, we'll see. Because um, I think we've got a weird concept around work. There's something that's gone on with our idea of work and about works of service that have turned it into something that's linked um, to something, I don't know, that you get paid for that is kind of like, um, well, I'm only here because it's my job. And actually what Jesus did was to completely turn labor on its head when he came. Because just as Joe was praying this morning that he knew what it was to be a child, he also knew what it was to work. And he redeemed work. And he redeemed it as a glorious thing. And there's something for us as we go deeper into Jesus that our whole attitude towards life and therefore towards work gets turned on its head. And it becomes just the outworking of who we are as Jesus Christ on the earth. As he is, so we are on the earth. Do you see? Um, uh, Let's just look at verse 13 in a little bit more detail, can we? Verse 13, unity of the faith. This, is, this for me is not like an abstract thing, the faith. This is a unity in Christ's faithfulness. This is a unity between us, a joint, a realisation that Christ was faithful to his Father and faithful to the cross. And it's the conviction that we all agree with that. Sometimes when we think about unity and when we read, read these kind of verses, it can lead us to think that we are supposed to be the best of friends. That unity is us having everything in common, um, getting on with everybody, being um, you know, uh, the best of friends with every single person in the room. The truth is, we're all quite different as people. We have got different interests, different styles, different ways of doing things, different little um, uh, eccentricities. And sometimes you can be with other Christians and some of their little ways might wind you up a little bit. (laughs) Dare I say it. You know, you might even now be thinking, cool, I wouldn't be preaching that message the way he's preaching it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing that. I'd, I'd do it this way if that was me. Um, and it's a bit crazy to, to, to go to, okay, what we've got to do is just try really hard at being the best of friends because that means we're in unity. And that's what Jesus wants is this fellowship thing. That's not fellowship. Fellowship is the conviction that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, that he was faithful to the Father to go to the cross and to redeem us to deal with the entire sin problem and to recreate us without a sin problem because Jesus has dealt with it. And it's that realisation that is the thing that unites us. And the deeper... So that's kind of like diving in, isn't it? That's like, I've just broken the surface into this revelation of the gospel. And the gospel is a scandalous, crazy message. So that is a crazy thing, isn't it? That Jesus has done that. That, you know, that before we were born, Jesus came and dealt with that issue. Before we sinned, he dealt with that issue. Um, I think Dave quoted it the other week. Before the foundation of the earth, the Trinity dealt with that issue. That's crazy, isn't it? 
So relationship with God has been available to us and is now available to us. We've just broken the surface. But this goes deeper because now we realise that God is who he is and when there is a unity around that faith, around his faithfulness, except now we also get to know him. We get to go deeper into knowing him. And that's the most precious next bit of this. We go deeper and we experience him, the worship this morning, where we just get to delight in him. Do you delight in your relationship with Jesus? I've, I've really felt like we, we need to rediscover something of this delighting. I think we, we, we hit a sweet spot a few years ago of just delighting. And somewhere, maybe it's just me, but somewhere along the lines, something of the, the sweetness of that has just ebbed away a little bit. And I've just loved over the last few weeks just being reminded of what it is to delight myself in him. It speaks of intimate encounters, this knowledge of the Son of God. Um, I've even got the Westminster Shorter Catechism did I say that right? Cate- catechism. I wasn't around in 1647. Um, but I can tell you what it says. It says that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And then there was a, John Piper did a little reworking of it. Do you remember? And he said the chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. He also said that he is most glorified when we are most satisfied. Do you remember that? It's really good, isn't it? God is most glorified when we are most satisfied. Why? Because when we are most satisfied, we live with a revelation of his goodness. And we enjoy it and we display it. And it's an effortless thing. The psalmist wrote it like this. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. I thought I'd read it out of the Passion Translation as well, just to really fizz it up a bit, okay? O God, how extravagant is your cherishing love. Can I just say this to God? Can I just pray this? Yeah? Just close your eyes. Let's just rest in him. Oh God, how extravagant is your cherishing love. All mankind can find a hiding place under the shadow of your wings. All may drink of the anointing from the abundance of your house. All may drink their fill from the delight, uh, from the delightful springs of Eden. To know you is like enjoying a flowing fountain, drinking in your life, springing up to satisfy. In the light of your holiness, we receive the light of revelation. Amen. There is something experiential about this that we have got to make time for, (laughs) haven't we? 
And when, when we get bogged down with the how does this happen and how does that happen and how does all the other stuff work, we just sit back on the motorbike <laughs> and we say, I don't know. I don't know how all these bits fit together, but I know that we're going and I know that you're driving this thing and that's good enough for me and I'm going to enjoy it. And I know that as we go, you're going to speak to me. You're going to give me answers to those problems. You're going to build me up because this whole thing is speaking about a growth to this body, not a growth on the body, this body growing, growth to the body, health to the body. That's what this is speaking about. And it starts off talking about the fivefold, the apostles and the prophet and the evangelist and the shepherd and the teachers, those guys equipping us, the saints, who here knows the name of the coach of Usain Bolt? Who knows the name of the coach of Usain Bolt? No one. But you know the name Usain Bolt. You see, we're the saints. We're the Usain Bolts. And what we've done in the church is we've, we've given more glory to the coaches than we have to the saints sometimes. Because we know the names of the apostles and prophets and the teachers and the evangelists and the one I've just missed, the shepherds. But we're the saints. And they're the saints too. <laughs> and this is for all of us. That word equipping speaks more about bringing fitness to, improving the condition of the body. And sometimes we can read those verses and leave it with, oh yeah, one day we'll be that organised body, we'll be that organised group and, and it'll be all, all good and all the rest of it. But that's not what this is saying. We're already a body. We need the apostle and the prophet and the evangelist and the shepherd and the teacher. We absolutely need them because this body needs to be fit, needs to grow, needs to be healthy. So I'm really grateful for those. But I know that we're the saints. And I know even more than that, that this whole thing is us resting in the fact that Jesus Christ is the one who says he is who he is. That it's his faithfulness. And as we grow in the revelation of who he is, and he then says over us, and you are in the world, then we're about his business, aren't we? And it's just what the body does. It's what his body does. Um, what about... This maturity to the stature of the fullness of God. Who wants your children? No, do you want your children to have fun as they grow up? We want our kids to have fun, don't we, as they grow up? We want our children to enjoy the process of growing up. We want our children to make memories, don't we? I love the fact that I look back on my life and I can remember my childhood with fondness. Really good times, really fun times. And I also think that we want our children to enjoy the relationship with us. So I want my children to grow up enjoying their relationship with me. I don't want to watch them as if they're kind of in a, in a test tube doing love and I'm just kind of observing it from a distance. I want to be in there with them and actually experiencing life from through their eyes and, and, and the enjoyment of all of that. And even the joy of learning from mistakes. Because that's another key part of growing up, isn't it? But actually it's a really enjoyable thing to not make the same mistake twice. 
isn't it? That's when you know you're learning something. And um, it's exactly the same with, with the Father and with the whole thing of the church and this body coming together and this body growing. This is supposed to be an enjoyable process. And yet what we've done sometimes is turn it into an arduous process, haven't we? Oh, we've got to work really hard because that's, that's the nature of it. You know, we've got to grow, so we've got to get down the gym and pump the iron and, and it's hard work. It's hard graft. No, 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 this, this isn't that. This is us going deeper and deeper into Jesus. And then the body then starts to build itself up. And we find ourselves maturing. We find that this is what's going on. And, and it starts off talking about works of service and it finishes with as each part does its work. Um, let me just read that bit. Um, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You know, this whole thing about work is, um, in verse 16, each part doing its work. It's the, the, the translation of this is, it speaks more about the workings of each part than each part doing its work. And there is a naturalness about the parts of the body doing what they're designed to do, which is different than the parts of the body working hard. Do you see what I mean? There is a naturalness about my heart. It just has to pump blood. My physical heart has to pump blood. That's just what it does. And similarly, with each of us, as part of this body, there is a naturalness, because it's intrinsic to our design, that we get to just do what we've been designed to do. And that's part of the, the good works. It, it's not a separate thing. It's simply part of the, the very nature of who we are. Um, I want to I go back into worship. Is that, is that possible? I'd love it. Because, you see, I, I wanted to bring this message. Remember a few weeks ago, I said... Um, I was, I can't remember exactly what I said, but I was communicating something about um, serving and us, you know, needing different people and serving rotors and all of that kind of stuff. And I was saying, hey, if we discover who we are, and as we are reminded of our purpose, and as the, the wonder and the love of the gospel grips our hearts again, actually our purpose will fall into place and we won't have a problem in that area. And so there's something about experiencing God that is really, really important. This has got to change your hearts, hasn't it? You're very quiet. Have I completely missed the mark here? Would, would you have rather a different message? Um, there is a purpose to us as a family. Why Oasis Church? Why, why, why us here? Why, why are we gathered here together? Why, why are we together as a people? Why are we not just part of another church down the road? There is specific reason why we exist as a church family. And it's to express this stuff. 
And I know that it is for other churches too, but we have seen something of this. And there is a single-mindedness that I think that the Holy Spirit wants to bring back to us as a group of people about this stuff. About what it is to truly delight in him. What it is to be in unity in the faith. Because then what happens is, actually, the best of friends does start to emerge. The doing anything for one another just starts to happen. Because love just compels us to do it. And we're not then trying to be friends with people for the sake of being friends and looking good from the outside, because that's just a religious thing. Actually, what we find is we just can't help but give one another money, give one another time, give one another ourselves, give one another our stuff if your car breaks down. You just can't help but lend a car to somebody. It just becomes the most natural thing. Going the extra mile, doing you know more. And, and, and that is the glory of God being revealed, and that's the body working really well. And I want us, as we're, we're going forward over the next few months with some different preachers, these preachers are going to be to sharpen us. They're going to be to work on our fitness. They're going to be actually to work on our hearts. But in, a, in the middle of them, there has to be encountering the presence of God. Otherwise, it will not work and it will fall flat. Um, can I just pray for us? I feel like I'm hitting against a bit of a battleground here. I don't mean like that it's you guys resisting me. I mean there is something of, uh, of opposition to us pressing into the fullness of what God has for us as a church. And, um, and I want to come against it. Jesus, I want to thank you that you are the commander. You're the commander of the army. You're the head of this family. I want to thank you, Jesus, that you're the rider on the white horse. And I want to thank you that you're building your church. And I want to thank you that the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. And I want to thank you that you're building Oasis Church. And I want to thank you that the gates of hell are not going to prevail against her either. (laughs) And Lord, I just want to lay down trying. Jesus, I want to lay down trying to build a church. Jesus, I want to lay down trying to make things work. And Jesus, I just want to give it all up for you. Jesus, it's a joy to give it up for you. Jesus, you said it was for the joy set before you that you endured the cross. And we now, with our lives facing our own crosses, say it's a joy. It is a complete joy and a complete privilege to lay them down for you. Because we know what's on the other side. We know that this union with you is too precious to miss. Jesus, we don't want an organisation. We want a family. Jesus, we want to know what it is to love one another in the way that the Trinity love one another. We want to know what it feels like to be in that community. We want to know that honour is not just a buzzword. We want to know that honour is the culture where growth happens, where vision is lifted, where destiny is spelled out. 
Jesus, I'm so grateful for you in my life. I'm so grateful that I can come into your presence any time, that I enjoy your presence all the time, that there's never a time where I'm not with you. Jesus, you, you said to Peter, to, that, did he love you? And he said, yes. And you said, well, feed my sheep. And there's something for us to experience. There's something for us to press into, to learn, to enjoy of what it is to feed one another in a new way. And it's, a, it's an act of worship. And Lord, where we are hitting up against obstacles in this way, where, we are, where it's just, it seems um, there are things that would want to knock us off course, misalign us. Jesus, I pray that you would realign us as a church, that you would realign our footsteps. Lord, that there would be a singleness in our purpose, that we would know why we exist. We would know why. Lord, and that that why would motivate everything else because it's your why. It's not ours, it's yours. Thank you, Father. Lord, I pray that this would be an enjoyable, enjoyable process for us. I pray for the joy of you, of our salvation, to be returned to us. Lord, we were tasting of it this morning in worship, and it's so good. But Lord, I want to ask for more. I want to ask for increase in freedom in our worship. Lord, the shackles have truly been broken. So Lord, I pray that there'll be more freedom for us. I pray we'd come in on Sunday mornings just so eager to dance before you, just so eager to praise you, just so eager to be free in our worship, just so eager to rest in your presence and delight in your goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you there's so much more for us. Thank you there's so much more. Yeah. Amen. Okay. I am done. Are you guys all right? Um, It is funny, you know, when you preach a message and... And you, you know it's from God. You know there's a reason. You know that there's, there's, he wants to do stuff in the room. But you can never quite tell what, how the room's going to respond. And, um, but I'm really, really super confident that Jesus knows what he's doing with us. And, um, and knows what he's doing with each one of you. He knows what you need. He knows even this week what you need. And uh, he's so tender. This isn't a difficult thing. Um, And he wants us to enjoy the journey with him, doesn't he? Um, There's a spring for our step. Um, It's not Chris Spring or Rachel Spring. Um, There is a spring for our step as a church, isn't there? And it's coming back. And um, the only thing that's blocking it is is our heads. Um, and uh, so just let's invite the spring back into our step. Invite the Holy Spirit spring uh, more and more and more. <laughs> All right. The Tigger anointing. Um, uh, we are done.